0: Welcome to the Total Brain podcast series, hosted by Dr. Evian Gordon, founder and chief medical officer of Total Brain. Today's podcast is on superhumanize your brain. And I'm delighted to have with me today. My colleague and friend, Ariana Sommer, who is a vegan biohacker, wellness entrepreneur, and author. She is the host of the Superhumanized podcast dedicated to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically, and spiritually. And she expands her personal experience with conversations with some of the leading global experts, such as Dr. Dale Bredesen, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Montel Williams, James Altucher, a particularly great person in my view, Dr. Rianne Eisler and Aubrey de Grey and many others. So welcome, Ariana. It's wonderful to speak to you today.
1: My dear Evian, the pleasure is all mine. We've been friends now for six years and it has been such a privilege to share the journey of integration with you. Thank you for having me as your guest.
0: Oh, it's such a pleasure. You know, um, you're one of the few people that really has focused on sort of really integrating how to be the best version of yourself. And because in addition to the mental and physical. You've also been so open to the spiritual. So I just really would love you to share with our audience your personal journey and which will obviously encompass your deepest insights about how you've superhumanized yourself.
1: Absolutely. So I have had an interesting upbringing. My father was in the diplomatic service. So from very little girl on, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures, ways of life and ways of healing and life philosophies. And from that, like a sponge, I've absorbed a lot of different things uh, from all around the globe. And I learned that if I want to live my fullest, most optimal experience in this life, in order to do that, I need to heal and I need to become whole. And part of that is facing my deepest fears and obstacles head on. So what that meant for me, for example, was I have suffered from anxiety ever since I was a little girl. Uh, Interesting thing is uh, here in the US alone, 45 million adults suffer from anxiety. It's actually most common mental disorder in the Americas, Um, but it's been very hard for me first to acknowledge that and then to work at that. But throughout the years of opening up to that and embracing it. I've actually developed different approaches, a very holistic approach to not just manage the symptoms, but also heal the root cause. And it's based on a mental, a physical, and also a spiritual approach.
0: Wow. Very interesting. And thank you for sharing your own personal fears and anxiety. I wonder if you could take us through each one of those one at a time, and, and especially focusing on how have you used this kind of holistic approach? approach to deal with your own anxiety
1: absolutely so for example with regards to the mental aspect because there's a lot going on in our brains when we are dealing with either low-grade anxiety or even a full-blown anxiety attack what's been very helpful for me is actually to try to get out of the sensation of the moment and just asking myself realizing okay this is just a feeling And then asking myself, what can I do about this feeling? And another thing is to actually look at when an anxious episode happens, what triggered it, try to understand why it happened. And that actually helps me prepare for any future anxious episode. Something really, really important for our mental well-being, especially if we're dealing with something like anxiety, is to curate the images in our minds. So like we take care of the kinds of foods that we take in or the supplements we take in, we also wanna take care of what we allow to go into our minds, especially when we deal with something like anxiety. For example, I only take in news very briefly every day. I do not get stuck on the news and the whole, when it bleeds, it leaves uh, and all the fear mongering that's going on. I mean, you have explained to me in the past, I've learned that from you, the reason why there's so much fear peddling in the media is because our brain gets stuck on it, right? We pay attention to what causes fear. So I have removed myself from this. And another thing that's really good with regards to anxiety is getting out of the comparison mindset. We have to realize that usually we look at ourselves from the worst possible angle, and then we compare that to what other people present of themselves, let's say on social media, which is their best version of themselves. So these kinds of realizations and approaches have really helped me as far as the mental aspect of dealing with anxiety goes.
0: Interesting, yes. It's fascinating to have seen you do this and, and watch you in action in LA as one of the sort of celebrities in LA to see you actually practice what you preach uh, when these issues of curating the negativity and the comparability is just so full on. I don't think I've ever seen a place in the world where it's more full on. So to see you glide through it in the way that you do has is, is been quite interesting, and more than interesting, kind of inspiring. So that's a, a very interesting and very pragmatic way to deal with curating. I like the idea of curating your thinking. You know, as we've discussed many times, 50,000 thoughts a day, if we just learn how to change one of them effectively, we can have a kind of blueprint for doing it for so many. And curation in the way you've described is a really good framework. What about the the physical side of your superhumanizing?
1: So with regards to anxiety specifically, I think it's important to realize that anxiety is a type of energy. So anything that gives you even more spikes of energy like caffeine or certain alcoholic drinks or sugar, it's good to really take those in in moderation. And of course, there's things like breathing exercises, yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, but something that I found particularly effective are herbs. I'm a big friend and fan of Ayurveda, as well as TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, Uh, From the Ayurvedic traditions, we have herbs such as ashwagandha, which is fantastic in modulating our stress response, uh, you know, to get us out of that fight, flight, or freeze mode. It can have a pretty quick effect. You'll notice an effect in calming the nervous system within a few days. It's even better cumulatively, so taking a little bit of it over a long period of time. The traditional Chinese medicine has also, equally to Ayurveda, thousands of years of knowledge based on herbs, and I find very appealing in TCM. They have a system, a classification system they call the three treasures, Jing, Qi, and Shen. And Shen is basically our spirit and higher consciousness. It's basically the mind, heart, energy. And this is where all our love and creativity resides, our compassion, our generosity. And if it's out of balance, that's also where things like anxiety may come from. So there's particular herbs that I've been taking for many years in the moment when I've needed them, or just as a regular, my daily herbal practice, uh, which I can really recommend, of course, talk to your practitioners, your doctors about it but uh, reishi mushroom. The reishi mushroom is known as the mushroom of immortality. It has a great effect of a calmness of mind. There's others like American ginseng root or Chinese asparagus root and longan fruit. And all of these just help get a centered and balanced.
0: So I was just gonna say that your your focus on nutrition is of course, uh, especially interesting to me as also as a fellow vegan and I've seen the extent to which you you encourage people to be you know super vigilant about nutrition as a calming Uh. but I also have noticed that you're obviously very fit you do a lot of yoga to what extent do you see the physical kind of exercise flexibility of course the yoga of course connected to spirituality we'll come to in a minute but to what extent do you balance those factors in uh, in bringing together your physical calmness
1: physical exercise is profoundly valuable and important for uh, generating a calmness of mind especially with regards to anxiety i just mentioned before that anxiety is a type of energy so for myself i found it very valuable when i'm in that state of an anxiety so mentally i realize i am not a victim of the state i can achieve a state change so that's the mental aspect of it and then I achieved the state change actually by doing something physical. It can be something as simple as jumping jacks to release this too much of energy. I exercise five to six times a week, a mixture of cardio, weightlifting, as well as I have practiced yoga ever since I was a little girl and lived in New Delhi, India. And I find yoga beautifully brings together The mind, the spirit, and the body. And as you know, yoga actually means union. So it brings all of our aspects, all the aspects of our existence together. And uh, what yoga actually does is, via the physical exercises, it prepares us for the meditative state, for meditation, for that calm state of mind.
0: You really do practice what you preach in bringing together these physical dimensions, mental dimensions. How much of every day do you actually do this in terms of hours uh, a day? We'll come to the spiritual in a moment, but just in terms of of mental and physical, what sort of time does it take up sort of more formally or is it just organic in your life every day?
1: It has become pretty organic. So as far as the mental practices go, for example, before I open my eyes um, in the morning to actually get out of bed and greet the world, I'll spend some time deep breathing, I'll spend some time focused on my gratitude practice that already primes my brain and sets me up for the day, it puts my mind in a very open and relaxed kind of state. And I'll do that all throughout the day. When I have a high stress day, breathing exercises are hugely beneficial. There are things such as box breathing, people who are acquainted with the Wim Hof method of breathing or the fire breath of Kundalini yoga will know that a few minutes of either of them can really do wonders for just calming down your nervous system, putting you in a calm state of mind.
0: Just a quick segue, of course, in Total Brain, that we're, we're so privileged also, Ariana, as you know, to have all the selected breath tools from uh, Sri Sri Ravishanka and from the Arts of Living. So the diversity of breath tools that people can find different energy modulated states at different times of the day is just, is just superbly powerful, of course. So Sorry, I just wanted, yes. to, do, I wanted to get a little, a little plug in there for Total Brain, sorry, but it's not just a plug, it's, it's very real and very integrative in, in having choice and finding what works for you, but I've diminished your flow, please continue.
1: Not at all, and uh, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, of course, I've heard him speak in person over the years about his breath practices, and he's actually done uh, breathing exercises with his audience, and That man knows a lot about how to integrate and how to connect our body, mind, and spirit. So I have huge respect for that knowledge that he and also the people around him pass on. As far as physical exercise goes, I like to break it up. I do cardio in the morning. I do yoga and muscle workout midday, and then I get another small cardio in on work days in the evening. And that really, really helps balance my mind. For me, for mental well-being, physical exercise is an absolute must.
0: Excellent. Well, that's a a really good snapshot of bringing together a kind of mental curation and a physical cadence throughout your day. But as I said at the beginning, what is kind of a little different about you and sort of reflected in your amazing podcast is the spiritual integration. So give us a sense, uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but because spiritual is you know, 10 podcasts in itself. Give us a sense of your personal journey and why spiritual has been such an integral part of your superhumanized uh, context.
1: It's been a huge part of um, my own superhumanizing process and of course also of my uh, podcast because I personally come from a culture that is highly intellectual. My roots are German, even though I didn't grow up there, but like so many modern cultures, spirituality has been neglected. And as you also know, everything is connected, our mind, our body, and our spirit. And if one of these is out of balance, it will affect the others. So I am a a student of Carl Gustav Jung's and there's a quote of his that really resonates with me and it is until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our life, and we will call it fate. So what that means is the only way through, the only way through our challenges is going within and confronting the darkest parts of ourselves and taking radical responsibility for our healing journey. I know that you are Uh, actually also very well acquainted with the Hindu practice and the body of knowledge of the chakras. So with respect to brain and spirituality, how do you see the integrative approach with regards to the chakras? I'd love to know that from you.
0: Well, it's, it's not my field at all. I'm just an integrationist. I really love that Carl Jung notion of bringing the unconscious to the conscious. And I would also say, again, from a total brain point of view, it's one of the main reasons that we measure emotions and not just emotion, but our non-conscious biases, these automatic biases to give us as much of a snapshot insight into not just our greatest strengths, but also the challenges and the reality of what are these non-conscious biases that we have. So I'm really glad you mentioned that and that that's so fundamental to you facing your dark side to deal with it head on and own it fully because you're really bold about the way you do it. You know what I like about chakras, Ariane, is that when He's come up as a Western doctor and scientist. I was kind of discouraged from looking at the integrative parts of the East and it, it was just another great example to me of the false polarities that are created by vested interests who want to put up the east versus west they're not they are amazingly beautifully complementary windows into different facets of our brain mind and spirit and so what chakras were for me and of course chakras as people know is an ayurvedic indian medicine where the essence of it is sort of energy centers that correlate with the physical mental emotional and spiritual part of our well-being and it's just that beautiful picture of chakras that, that come down the middle of our body and spinal cord that led me to explore a little bit and more follow the people who do it in depth. As I said, I'm just an integrated artist in not my field at all. But it was pretty obvious to me that chakras represent one of many examples whereby we can be explicit about the way that integrative neuroscience and spiritual practice have very tight connections to increase our understanding of what's going on. So just to be very specific about it, as best as I can, the principle is that with the seven chakras and they start you know, at the root in the, the sort of it's fight flight at the bottom, that fight flight stress network, the red chakra, I think it is. And then there's the sexuality chakra, the sacral chakra, I think it is, which is like obviously sexual physiology. And then the interesting one, of course, to many people, is the solar plexus chakra, which is orange. And and that was your gut feeling. Now, everybody can relate to that, but it's more than just relating to it. We are now seeing the explosion of understanding of our gut feelings as linked to the feeling part of our emotions which is why non-conscious emotion science is the sort of gateway to bring so many things together. And then as we move up the chain, we get to the essence of, of total brain in a way, which is connecting the brain and the heart. And I don't mean, you know, we're connecting brain and of course the whole body, including, you know, gut, but the heart is especially important to us initially because that's the point where you can have tools like breath mindfulness, meditation, Neurotunes, beautiful music designed to switch the body from fight-flight into this calm, flexible, vaguer state. And for me, just a, another quick segue, Ariana, is that I personally measured that Buddhist monk who works with the Dalai Lama I presented at a conference in Sydney where the Dalai Lama was presenting on happiness. And there I met uh, Matau Ricard, which many people might remember. He was on the front cover of National Geographic and a long time ago, but they measured his brain function, EEGs, and measuring brain function and heart rate variability. So the brain and body is at the deep core of total brain. So I invited him to one of our big laboratories in Sydney. And I personally measured him. He arrived in his beautiful robes and he was just wonderful. And the point, Ariana, for me about this chakra is that to see that man meditate and to measure his brain and his heart rate and to see when he did loving kindness meditation, which I asked him to do in a pseudo random way. So in other words, I repeated it with other types of meditation in between, but the patterns, the energy resonant frequencies, the electrochemical measures that EEGs allow was breathtaking. It was like a signature. You could put them on top of each other. So there was a concrete example in my little experience of the beautiful opportunities to bring this all together, demystify it to some degree. And then just to quickly end off, I think as we go up the chakra chain to throat chakra, the, you know, the sort of thyroid, I can't remember the color, but I do remember that it's got to do with the metabolic rate of the body. And then the last two, of course, which are now headed into the brain that, you know, the third eye, which is uh, intuition and associated with the pituitary, which is our master gland for hormones, and the top of the chakra, it's a, you know, I think it's spirituality, but it's at the top of the head, which is, uh, of course, the pineal gland, which is, secretes melatonin, which controls our sleep. So the essence for me, Ariane, is just this chain to the middle of our body that connects the two. That is just a wonderful example of how similar, in many ways, these ideas are. So there is this convergence, in my view, of, the, uh, the spiritual and the scientific, you know, we can uh, measure potentially with more and more precision the frequencies, the energy of each chakra and even the interaction. And I suppose the importance is that the more we can get closer to the mechanism, the more we can target and personalize the benefit and personalize it and measure and track what really works and you know, I suppose just to finish this context, the reality is who cares? like who really cares about this convergence? Well, probably maybe fifty percent of people or whatever the percentage is, don't. People who have a really great spiritual lens, they have found their view, their beliefs, their view, and they, they have a wonderful context of givenness and no grievances and and essentially living their lives in a way that moves from the fear. You've been talking about kind of to more of a love in their lives. But it is the other 50%, I think, who do want to know what the mechanism is. And they also both have in common either door that emotions are the mechanism, our depth of understanding of emotions and the increased presence is the practice. That's what matters. That's what changes our lives. Superhuman eyes, applied integrative neuroscience, total total brain. Any lens, ultimately, that is the big game changer. The insight of emotion and the living your life more in the present. And and so finally, the more effectively, in my personal view, the, that these two lenses, the spiritual and the scientific, are brought together. These two life lenses the spiritual and the scientific, the brighter is that light and the deeper is the experience of being present. Sorry for such a long answer to such a a short and good question, but that's the best I can do on the day.
1: No, it's a beautiful answer, dear Evian. And also what I love so much about it is we're living in really exciting times where uh, spirituality, you know, ancient teachings now intersect with science, with the most cutting-edge breakthroughs.
0: Mm. Mm. So true. Well, look, Ariana, this is so wonderful. Again, thank you for, I know it's very hard in that podcast series like this, where it's about the essence of things in 30 minutes, and obviously with a total brain context, but nevertheless, we explore widely and you've been the first person on our podcast where we really are exploring the mental, physical and spiritual. But I wonder if you wouldn't mind, as we always do in these podcasts, to end off with maybe just your three takeaways that you feel work for anybody in terms of your journey and the, the essence of what you've seen on your podcasts.
1: Absolutely. It would be a joy for me to share that. So, my takeaway number one is to be aware of and embrace that the things that we may find debilitating, let's say, such as anxiety, which we've talked about, can also be a superpower. For example, anxiety can give you that hyper awareness and edge. It can be your sixth sense telling you that something's wrong physically or metaphysically. And number two, I find it profoundly important to approach any type of healing holistically so from managing symptoms in the moment to the cumulative effects uh, that reduce our fight flight or freeze responses to going to the root cause and truly healing what ails us to truly elevate our human experience and number three is to take radical responsibility it's not our fault we got hurt but it's our responsibility to heal individually and also as a culture to take collective responsibility for our shadow and in this way regain ownership of our emotions and our lives.
0: Well, thank you so much for such a diverse and deep integrative journey and thank you also for including us in, in Total Brain and our tools, as you also, I know, or, and one of the editors of these big magazines in Europe that uh, like Max. And thanks for including us in those stories. But more importantly, thank you for your friendship and your sharing and in joining us today. It's been just a, a great pleasure. Thank you, Ariana.
1: Evian, I can only reciprocate your kind words. It's such a joy and a privilege to call you a friend and also a mentor. I have learned so much of you and it's been truly a pleasure to spend time with you today and with your audience.
0: Thank you. I look forward to many more. Thanks, Evian.
1: Thank you. Bye.